Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad at all. Now, I'm interested to kind of uh, talk to you. Um, I know you are also a fellow uh, ex-rugby player. Um, yep. Now, my background is uh, all from rugby, so I'm interested to kind of hop in to kind of see. At uh, what age were you kind of introduced to rugby and kind of team sports um, and that kind of uh, mentality of working together as a team to kind of overcome the, the bigger task of winning a game? So, sort of team sports related. I started playing football from a very young age. Um, I was playing football since I was still like five. So um, onwards, I've been literally in team sports, sort of any sport since the age of five, really, probably just before. Um, so I played football for a long time just because uh, my family are very heavily um, football fans. But um, so as I got older, obviously you tend to develop your own sort of uh, sort of niche of what you want to do. Um, I played all sorts of sports. I did sprinting. I've done long jump, I've done triple jump, high jump, uh, shot put for a while. Um, I played badminton, I played cricket. <laughs> so I've played a vast of sports. But sort of around the age of 14, I decided that I'd have a go at rugby. It was only at school, so it was just like, oh, I'll see how it goes. Yeah. Played a couple of games of rugby and um, I sort of fell in love with the sport. And my teacher at the time said to me, but let there's a couple of local clubs, go and see them and sort of see how that goes. And I went down to a local club we got uh, by us uh, in Southampton called uh, Trojans in Eastleigh. So um, I sat out with them, sort of tried out, and yeah, cool, the rest is sort of history. I literally kept playing rugby up until sort of, what, well, I was fractured my shin at the age of 18, which was a bit annoying, but then went back and carried on playing. And then sort of just before, I, I said I need to stop playing rugby just because I kind of found strongman. And... Um, it was kind of either I had to make the choice of continue playing rugby and just do it for fun or go and compete in strongman and actually push myself to get to where I am today, essentially. So um, when you were playing rugby, kind of what standard uh, were you playing to? Was this like a, a southern division? Was this a national league? Was this just like Sunday club rugby? What kind of level were you at? See, I, cause I think when I was playing Trojans, we only got up to Colts level, and there was a lot of fraction machine, and then I came away from Trojans. So it was just sort of like a sort of a lower, sort of a county team, sort of. Mm. Like county yeah. Division, like anything, um, so like was the division. the shin fracture? Was that the kind of like preemptive strike to take you away from rugby, and then kind of you just kind of came back to play the old game here and there, but you weren't really in it anymore. I think it stopped me pushing myself as well as I could because I had that constant fear that it would happen again. Because when I went back, I didn't go back straight away. I literally I played a season of football again just to sort of get my confidence back. Um, and then I was like, nah, I can't be dealing with this rubbish sport anymore because it's got worse. So um, I went back to say rugby again, but then I just thought, well, I'm just going to do it for the fun of it. And again, the gym I went to to sort of, again, just get a bit fitter and a bit stronger for rugby, essentially, was the plan. Um, I ended up picking up a log and, yeah, well, it's the rest of the history, really. So, sort of what age were you introduced to kind of, were you doing weights while you were, were training for rugby? Obviously, I know different teams kind of work in different capacities, but some people will kind of, some teams will have clubhouses that will have like little bits and pieces and maybe the older guys will take some of the younger guys through. Some basic strength and conditioning stuff just to kind of help them gain a little bit of muscle as they're growing up. Did you do any of that or was it all just uh, in strongman? It was, well, I sort of, I took myself to the gym sort of around the age of 16 and started sort of just doing basic stuff. So like you just go on bodybuilding.com and you see Arnold's workouts and stuff like that. So you used to just grab those and sort of Exactly the same hair, dude. Exactly the same hair. Yeah, I loved it. 
Um, other than that, we had um, sort of we had a few ties down the uh, rugby club, a couple of drags, obviously. Do all these your general conditions, especially being a prop. Obviously, they want oh, you so you're pushing power. Disgusting. Sort of your best effort. Yeah, so um, there was a lot of that involved, which uh, always got the legs. That's probably why um, my squat was always one of my uh, best things in the gym. Yeah, it's really interesting to kind of, because I always think about this and kind of think about, okay, what did playing rugby kind of bring to kind of my strongman training? And I definitely think you're right there, just kind of like that fucking grueling pre-season, man, where you're just busting your balls day in, day out, like you're out in the heat. Yeah, dude, just on dry turf, pushing sleds. It's like, it's it's so, so, so hard. So it's, it's one of those things that... I think there's a massive carryover because you kind of have that mentality going into a lot of those like max events where you're just like, man, I'm going to push myself until I bleed, puke, or pass out because that's what you've just been conditioned to do. It's crazy, hey? I remember my first event, uh, Strongman, was a competition called Champs of the Future, which is um, 13. First event was uh, 18 inch deadlift for reps, it was uh, 220 kilos. I remember, I think I did 14 reps or something like that. The problem is, because of that, is you just sort of go for it. You don't breathe properly. <laughs> you just give it everything. Yeah. I remember running to the toilet afterwards, and both of them were um, chock a block, and then I ended up just throwing up in the sink. <laughs> it was just the closest thing to me. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that so, um, so in terms of your your uh, your gym training stuff, do you feel like that that kind of that sp- sparked your interest or was was it a case of that this was just kind of getting you through it was helping you to grow and then it wasn't until you kind of got into working with the logs and those individual bits of implementations that you're like oh there's actually a there's a game for this like i can compete in this shit like what's going on here it, to be fair that was pretty much it i only went to the gym just thought okay try and help myself along for rugby and then it wasn't until i started doing log press and stuff like that and I realised well actually you know what I prefer this a lot more so. yeah so in terms of like stepping up to, to using the implements did you find that you were just freakishly good at anything straight off of the bat like did you just pick something up and it was just like oh right okay this is my thing again because I, I, I was squatting quite a lot anyway so I think I remember doing uh, going into the gym and the uh, trainer there wanted me to do some uh, tests to see where my maxes are at just before we start getting into our program. And I hit 100 kilos in the log for, well, I think it was my third ever session, first two sessions with technique made. It was ropey as hell, you see I'm all over the place, it's wobbly. But then I walked in, um, I did a 200 kilo squat and I pulled a 220 deadlift, sort of with relatively good form for the first but first sort of sessions. But that, I, I put that down to a lot of, so when I went to the gym, because I was a forward, it was always legs, legs, legs. So I'd always train legs. So I would always squat in the gym. I'd always deadlift in the gym. Like even before I knew what I was doing. Yeah. So that helped carry over when I did start doing this. I had a good base of um, sort of squatting and deadlifting already. So yeah, I could come in, literally sat on the floor with the squat as well, didn't doing all these partial reps. <laughs> so. I love that. It's so interesting because I think, you know, so many of these young guys now kind of coming into the gym for the first time 
are these kind of muscle marys that are just all about training up a body. They don't really give two shits about their legs. It's like, okay. But when you really think about it, the foundation you're setting there is so incredibly poor. You know, your deadlift is probably going to be 100% lower back. There's going to be no leg drive. It's going to be hyperextension for days. But kind of doing what you're doing where it's like, okay, actually, fuck it. Let's put everything into the lower body. Let's build these tree trunk thick legs. And then actually, to be honest, no matter what sport you're going into, unless you're going to be a jockey, it's probably going to be pretty fucking helpful for you. So I think for, for a lot of people, I think that's that's actually probably probably one of the better ways to go into it is actually start just training your body like crazy. I remember on the leg extension and sets of 50. For no, not knowing understanding or anything, what it would do, just the fact that it hurt, I couldn't walk afterwards. That's absolutely oh, savage. It was a good absolutely day. Absolutely savage. So in terms of uh, your your shin injury... I'm, I'm, I'm interested to talk to you about that. Now, I tore my posterior cruciate ligament in my right knee when I was playing, and I was playing to, to quite a high standard. I was trialling with England at the time at under-18s. I was playing for Harlequins in their academy, and kind of that basically stopped everything overnight um, because I, I didn't get picked up by Quins because I didn't make nationals because I couldn't fucking walk. So that changed everything. But then going forward from that, there was just like this inherent fear in the back of my mind that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to tweak it, someone was going to tap it, it was just yeah. going to snap and that was going to be it for me. So how do you get over that psychological thing? Like, is it a case of still today, even there are sometimes like you'll step up to a bar and you'll be like, oh man, Shin's feeling a bit ropey today. Like, how did you get over that? I literally, I think with me, it was the sort of... I had, it took me a while, but I, I talked myself round into being like, no, this, I, I did a lot of research on mental health and sort of getting behind mental blocks and stuff like that. Because I went back and played um, sort of for a season a couple of years ago, just a bit of fun, to see if I could still do it, which I can say that my knees can't cope a full season, so no chance I'll be doing that. <laughs> but I actually ended up playing on the same pitch where I fractured my shin. And, um, I had an awful game because in my head it was just always that constant reminder that's where I broke my shin that's where I did my injury so I literally I think I got 20 minutes into the game I went over to my head coach I was like you got to take me off I, was like, I, just, I just I said I can't mentally get in the game so he took me off we ended up drawing anyway but um after that that's when I kind of really sat myself down and kind of went right I need to get over this but in this terms of strongman it's never affected me. It's okay. never affected me at all. So because it was a, it was a splinter fracture, so apparently splinter fracture is where they go up and it causes sort of movement. But I was in a cast up to my hip for three months and I literally had one arse cheek just half the size of the other when I came out. Um, but yeah, and then sort of just developed that back. But I think getting over the mental aspects of it, my leg was as strong as it's ever been. But I struggled getting past that mental block of being on that pitch again where it happened. And then after that, that's when I really sort of said to myself, no, you need to pull your head out of your ass and you need to just get on with it. It's all in your head. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, yeah. it's amazing what, what that does. And I think it's, it's a case of, you know, there, there's that fear in your head until you get to a point where you push it and you're like, oh, shit, still good. Okay. Exactly. That's the what the thing are we worried about? Like, yeah. I said to myself, I was like, well, I've, I've pulled trucks. I've lifted yokes. I've ran with farmers for walks. I've done this. I've done that. But yeah, I'm carrying my own body weight and carrying a ball and I'm scared of hurting myself. 
it, it's yeah, dude. I was the exact same. I was in the pub the other week, and, so, and I was talking to someone, and they were trying to get me to uh, to go and play for their Sunday team again. And uh, and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I if my knee will hold up to it. And they're like, wait, don't you do that strongman stuff? And I'm like, uh, I was like, yeah, uh, shit, I do I do I do run a three forty uh, kg yoke. Maybe I'm talking out my ass, and maybe my knee will be all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. So, um, well, it's it's interesting now. So, obviously, you had the uh, it was it the rib, was it an intercostal that you pulled uh, at? Was it Britain's on the sandbag? Oh no, no, that was um, I uh, had partial tears in my rectus spinae, oh, and cool. I jammed my facet joint. Yes. So, in terms that of in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, in terms of kind of talking about the, the the injuries again, obviously that's now a sport related thing. You're still in there. You're still working with those implements. You're still having to face the the, the, the same arena, the same events day I in. Did, I did pick up a sandbag for a year. Do exactly. Oh, this is this what I'm interested in. So, British so, strongest man last year. Yeah. British strongest man this year. I did not pick up a sandbag. So you just literally just just rock up and you're like, hey, it's either going to happen or I it's not. So if if you watch me. Watch the video back when you see it played. You'll see I, I, I'm very hesitant the way I run back, uh, pick up the sandbag. But once I realise it's off the floor and it's high, I'm fine. Yeah. I then go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I literally was talking to myself. I still remember it clear as day. Remember loading. I remember running south, step back, look at the, the sandbag, going that just fucking do it. Just pick it up, get it high, just do it. You've got it. You've just, just got to do it. They got there and I go right. Fuck it, it's going up. I went up and then I'll drive. But again, it just goes to show you how powerful our mind is compared to how much our, like, we think we can do. It's mind over matter constantly. If you tell yourself you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, you talk about that. So what are your kind of, do you have any kind of like routines? Is it like a mantra that you're saying to yourself? How do you get yourself into that space where you're just like undeniably 100% certain that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go up, you're going to move it, you're going to carry it? What do you do? I've heard this question a few times, literally over the past couple of weeks, which is quite funny. But um, my triggers are music. I, I'm very, very heavily music oriented. But people say, "Oh, yeah, you shouldn't get used to listening to music while doing a big lift." No, it's not the fault. I don't, I don't need it when I'm doing a big lift. I can still hear the song in my head and still get just the same response from it. People don't seem to grasp that. I have that connection with music. I used to play guitar when I was younger, and ever since then. I've just had that sort of that connection with music. I like listening to music. I like hearing. I'm a very big heavy metal fan. People are like, oh, how do you listen to it? It's all scream show. You don't just sit there and listen to it. You listen to the melodies. You listen to the solos. You listen to the riffs. That's what does it for you. And I can, I can approach a lift and there can be certain lyrics in a song. And I'll sit there and I'll, I'll just play them over in my head. And it still sends goosebumps down my spine. It still sends my hairs on my arms to stand up. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking ready. Let's do this. Okay, right. So straight off the bat, what what's your number one song? What's your go to? You're pulling a max. I've, I've got three. Okay, got three. Hit me, hit me. So you've got Machine Head, Davidin. Okay. So one of my all-time favourites. Uh, Slipknot, Unsainted, one of the newer ones, and uh, Soul West First by Slipknot as well. Soul West First probably the biggest one. That's the biggest one. It's the the set of lyrics on the second chorus. Uh, sorry, on the second verse. They just triggered me. About a minute forty-five. And then, yeah, I'm there, I'm there. I love that, I so, love that. Yes. Although so, some of them change, it's not the same song all the time. I've had, 
other songs over the years and people seem to forget that. They think, oh, what's this, the same song all the time? No, no, it's not. For a while, it was Fighting a Death Punch under and over it. Yeah. For a while, it was Lamb of God laid to rest. <laughs> yes. Like, so it's just different. I, I think Pantera, Cowboys from Hell, Cowboys from Hell at one point for a while. And it's just stuff like that. It's just, if I've got a connection with that song or that music, then... But it's the thing is, it, yeah, it's it's that's the thing is, it's not just music, is it? Like I've I've spoken to loads of people about this. Like it, pe- people keep on like forgetting this is it's not just music. It's the connection. It's the emotional connection that you have with that thing, man. Like you have that bond. Being a musician, you're connected to the guitar. You listen to the things that other people aren't listening to because you know what goes into it. You know what's involved. And then you get that trigger. And then as soon as you have that, then you can use it. And I love that. And I think it's really interesting because everyone has their own individual thing. So with your music, okay, so I I am someone like... I'm, I'm really easy to get riled up, so what I need to make sure to do is like when I'm warming up, everything like I'm super, super mellow, I'm like literally classical music, calm my ass the fuck down, and then it's like, okay, 10 seconds, you're about to go on, it's like, right, crank that music up, and then it's like naught to 100 in like a second. So what do you do? Are you just literally the whole time just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, or do you have to keep it calm? I can, I, I'm very, if you ever watch, because I'm very placid with things, in between events and that, I'll sit and talk to people, I'll walk around, I'll make sure people are alright, and you know, that's just my way of coping with it, but then, when I know I'm due a lift, a couple of minutes before, song goes on, music goes on, and if it's a max event, like I said, if, I've got, if I know I've got three big lifts coming up, I'll play it in that order, so it'll be David and first for the first lift, that'll get me started out. Then I'll play on Satan for the second list. That'll get me even more psyched up. When I go into Soul Wave, I'm literally at my peak. I've got first goosebumps from head to toe, and I'm going to rip someone's head off if they get in my way. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone, please move away, away, out the way to the arena for your own safety. I know, I'll, I'll just start swinging swords and all sorts. You've seen The Witcher, right? That's what I'll turn into. <laughs> Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think for, for myself, it's probably a case of because I haven't competed that much, I'm still very, very nervous going into a lot of these competitions. I think for someone like yourself, where you have that, you, you have the experience, like you, you kind of, you, you, you can deal deal with it a little bit better perhaps, but... Not always. Nah. Uh, if, if it's a big competition, you got to bear in mind, so I know what you're saying, because obviously I've, I've been through the years, I've been but still, like, standing, that, standing behind that curtain, the British Strongest Man, you stood there with a the flag, people are going out in front of you. Next thing you know is you're up next, so you stand in that middle, you can't see anything but the rockets. Your name gets called, you step out, the fire goes up, and all you can hear is about seven, 8,000 people cheering. Yeah. You're telling me you're not going to get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, regardless, that, that, yeah, I don't think, it gets easier and manageable, you get nervous at different points than you used to, but overall, it'll never go away. Yeah, yeah, but I also so think like, it's, um, it nerves are a good thing, right, you know, it means that you actually exactly. give a shit about something, like, you're connected exactly. and it means that it means something to you. So I always tell myself that, like, I have a long history in, in kind of acting and I've done shows in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and you know it's that that whole thing of like you're absolutely bricking it but then as soon as you walk out from behind that curtain and you step on stage 
it's like autopilot right let's fucking go and it's the whole thing you know what to do I think it it comes from rugby as well like you probably found it as well like you get rolled up in the changing rooms you get rolled up let's go let's go as soon as your foot crosses that line that's it you're in it's the same, but my nerves come at different points now. So I'll get nervous the night before. Not very long. It'll be about an hour or two. I'll just get a little bit nervous. I'll start thinking about the event, start thinking about how I'm planning. I'm a very big believer in visualisation. So I'll visualise the events that I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. So that's when I start getting nervous, when I start thinking about that. Chill out, I'll get out, I'm fine. Don't have breakfast, no problem. Get to the arena, you'll get a little bit of butterflies because you see the arena and you'll be like, yeah, fucking hell, this is it. There's more excitement than nerves. Like I said, you're a bit nervous when your name gets called out. And then when you got to that first event, you're waiting for that whistle to be blown. As soon as that whistle blows, it will blows. You just know what you've got to do. So autopilot's brilliant. It's just like, so, you're, sat there, you're waiting, you're sweating, you're nervous. All of a sudden, you hear Darren Sadler go, three, two, one, whistle goes. Right, I know what I'm doing now. Bang, bang, bang. So I'm, I'm interested. So... When 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 I compete and and the whistle goes, it doesn't matter where I am, what I'm doing, who I'm around. It kind of it always goes fuzzy. Like I, I the crowd can be a million decibels, but I hear nothing but silence. I'm all I can hear is my own breathing, my own heartbeat, and everything else just goes black. Like for yeah, you, you is, it the, is it this? Is it this? Is it the same? Like or can you yep. hear the crowd? Do you use the crowd? Are you using the crowd, or is it just you're in your own headspace and it's While just this I'm task? While I'm actually lifting, while I'm actually lifting, I don't hear anything. I just hear my breath. I, I think about what I'm doing. I see the referee. I hear the referee say down. And then in between, I use the crowd. So if I'm if I'm struggling, <laughs> you see a brick. I think between logs four and five, I was absolutely blowing. So just give you give you a little chance, give you that little bit of G, and you're like, yeah, fuck it, let's do this. And then as soon as your hands go on that log, it's like someone's hit mute on the TV. So you pick it up, and it's like, oh, um, you know, when you see like a bad movie scene where they're in a nightclub, and then all of a sudden they're in the ocean, and it's just stuck. <laughs> it is bizarre, but yeah, no, that's, that's sort of. Again, the only thing I ever see after that is the referee, and then when I get the down signal, it's like the sound all of a sudden just fades in, and it just goes. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that's in the in, in the same boat there. Like it's it's very interesting because I think everyone tends to deal with it differently. So it's cool. It's cool that that we kind of have that in common. So in terms of uh, going back to your visualization, I'm interested to kind of uh, to talk more about that. So when you're visualizing. Are you visualizing? So, can you see yourself doing it? Are you in there? Like, is it first person? Can you feel it? Are you going through the motions, no, or can always, you I see yourself it doing it? I see it. I always see it from the outside. Yes. Yeah. Me too. Always, me too. It's yeah, so I weird. Watch myself do it. I watch myself go through the motions because then I, I even think about my technique and I go, right, my technique needs to be this. It needs to be that. It needs to do this. It needs to do that. And I just keep going through that and that and that, and then it's. That, that's really interesting. So when did you start doing that? What brought you on to doing that? And was there like an immediate noticeable difference from it for you? Or was um, this something that you've kind of had to get used to over the years? It's something I've only really done sort of in the past couple of competitions. I think I, well, I said to myself I needed to... Uh, I used to do it before, but I, don't, I think there's doing it, but then there's doing it and believing it. Yes. So I used to do it before... But I wouldn't really believe it. Like when someone gets you, oh yeah, you'll get to our strongest man one day. Yeah, of course I will, of course I will. 
And now I've sat here knowing that I'm on the cusp of like pushing towards that. I'm kind of going, fucking hell, yeah, I'm actually here now. So it's only been sort of the last year or so that it's affected me. I've really been able to visualise it. I went out to the Arnold Classic last year. I knew the weights and everything, and I knew what I was going to do, and I visualised it, and that's exactly how it happened. Brits, same thing. Made one small mistake on the uh, Conan's wheel, but that was my fault. It was just I tried to be too quick and took a big step. But one of those things, but everything else, it's exactly how I visualised it. And it'd be the same when I go into the Loglist Championships in um, April. Yeah. I'll be visualising myself pushing 220. Dude, I'll uh, be there. I'll be fucking screaming from the sidelines to your complete silence. Then I'll be <laughs> visualising myself picking up that freaking 230 rolling out of my chest and putting it over my head. Yeah, man. <laughs> love that, love that, love that. So, um, so in terms of kind of uh, going back to talking about like your your kind of your mental health, your your training and stuff. What are you kind of doing for your mind to to help you out? Obviously, we've all got baggage, we've all got issues, we've all got demons. It's interesting to see how everyone copes with their own. For me, the gym has always been something that's been a, a massive, massive help for me. It's got me through many, many dark days and I'm, I'm forever grateful for having it. So... What are you kind of doing in your own headspace? What are you using? How has it affected you? And kind of what are you doing moving forward? So I, I find that I love the gym, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic. But I just decided to open once. It's not the best move if you love it that much. So <laughs> I, so, yeah, don't get me wrong, I love my gym and I love what I've achieved with it so far. And I love how it's growing. I love the community we've got there. But at the same time, there's days I just don't want to even be in there because. It's become work. Yeah, yeah. And that you kind of go, okay, so that's become work now. Um, you you don't have that buzz. So I find it's very important that I find something to do that keeps me fresh. So I do a lot of uh, photography just to sort of keep my mind at bliss, essentially. Yeah. So to help me focus and to help me sort of take my mind away from the gym, the gym environment, training completely completely away from it all so yeah that that's how I sort of make sure that I'm doing something for myself to keep me grounded essentially because I feel like if I don't keep myself grounded if I was just to live wrapped up in the gym I'd end up hating it so what age did you kind of uh, get into photography how did you find out about it what kind of piqued your interest I've always uh, we, we all grab a phone and we all sort of take pictures and I just started getting a bit creative and I thought, you know, I quite enjoy this. My mate was done this camera about three years ago, I think it was, three, four years ago. Sold it to me really cheap, had a couple of lenses with it. So, oh, you know what, and I started shooting a bit more, learned how to use it a bit better. Then I thought, you know what, I'll buy another couple of lenses. Okay, now we're going to buy a new camera. About two and a half, three grand later. <laughs> I've now sort of, um, I'm shooting sort of every couple of weeks quite regularly. Um, and... I just enjoy it because it's completely different to uh, what I normally do. And all the strong men and most of the men that follow me really enjoy the photography as well because it's normally women in their underwear or women in nothing. So. <laughs> they have an ulterior motive. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's interesting that you say that. Like, I think it's it's a really interesting point to hop off on that it's if you have kind of a passion in doing something that it's always kind of important to have something that like 
is completely different to that that you're also really, yeah. really interested in to give you time to get out of that headspace it gives you time to then your brain can then just kind of go into autopilot you can let those ideas flow you can think about things more freely and it allows you to kind of switch off like i mean i'm i'm a pt i work as a a massage therapist i do rehab and stuff and i spend literally all day every day in a gym and then it's like oh okay right now i'm gonna now go and do two, two and a half hour session like after i've trained like eight clients it's like okay trying to get g'd up for that's really hard but it's it's nice like if i can go out and do something that's completely different just go for a long ass walk disconnect work on my creative stuff create content then it means that i have this brand new freshness and then when i come back into the gym environment it's like oh this is cool and sexy again like this feels fucking good let's go i like this Exactly. So it's really interesting that you that, that you say that. So, um, do you make time for it, or is it a case of like it's just like whenever it comes around, you kind of hop off, you no, do it. I will make time for it. I will make time for it because I, again, I think I find it's important to have that break and have that sort of me time. So, do you have any kind of daily routines and rituals that you do for yourself? That's like like you kind of spoken about. That's helped to keep you more grounded. That's helped to kind of uh, take your your mind away from all of that stuff, or help you fight those demons, or whatever it might be for you. Um, the thing I've been doing recently is um, I've been uh, downloading audiobooks Sweet. and listening listening to different people, people I find influential but that aren't necessarily anything to do with strength um some are some are like uh, i've just got eddie jones's book sweet it's a 13 hour audiobook yeah yeah i've got um tyson furies because again i think him as a person is fantastic the way he does things uh, but i've also got Anne middleton both his books i think he's brilliant i love that guy he's just fantastic in what he does a guy that I have uh, personally been able to meet and talk to is Phil called Phil Champion. He's uh, ex FAS. Okay. He's got some fantastic stories, and I've just got his book as well. So I'm looking forward to getting my teeth sunk in that as well. So there's quite a lot. I've got, I think I've got like six books on there still to sort of listen to, and I've gone through four already. So it's just my. I only put it on for sort of half an hour before bed, so it gives me that sort of downtime. I need to do a chapter. Nothing crazy, but it just. I switch off because we've got to sit and listen. You don't have to do anything. You can just sit in bed or sit somewhere and just listen to it. Chapter finishes, goes off, light goes off, you go to bed. Just relax. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's fantastic. I, um, I'm the exact same. I personally really, really like them and I like a ridiculous range of different things. You know, I'm massively into like personal development. I'm really, really into all of that sort of stuff. I love understanding how my brain works and how I can kind of get more out of my brain, squeeze more out of my body and kind of help to learn more. Um, so I have a lot of audiobooks about all that sort of stuff because it just kind of makes me tick and I'm really, really interested in it. I said that one, one book I have got is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh my God. Okay, dude, I have literally, I have suggested this to so many people. If anyone is listening, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is singularly one of the best books i have ever listened to in my entire life it changed the whole way i thought about things it's so brilliant it just it brings it back home to kind of allow you to understand what you're actually giving a conscious effort your conscious energy towards and what you should actually be putting it into and it kind of gives you that nice subtle slap in the face to be like hey 
Stop worrying about all of this unnecessary shit and just get on with your life. And man, it makes you so much happier. In the middle of listening to Anne Middleton's The Fear Bubble at the moment. Sweet. Again, I like Anne Middleton. He's very inspirational. He's very down to earth and he's very tell you how things are. Yeah, I yeah. like that. And then, so that's my, that's my next book that I'm on to. So um, I'm looking forward to listening to that one. Yeah, and it's interesting because they're, they're all people that have very, very interesting stories to tell. And I think no matter who you are like when you listen to stories is that there are certain parts that you can always like connect with as well so like you're like oh yeah like i've i've felt that and i've had that happen to me and when you hear these people talk about it you're like oh okay i haven't necessarily thought about doing it like that or dealing with it like that and you're like oh and then like this light bulb goes off in your brain and you're like oh my god i figured it out yep yeah yeah i love that i love that so um in terms of in terms of that, you're just doing that just before you go to bed. Are there any other kind of yeah, are you doing anything good. when you're waking up? Do you do anything to get your mind ready? Do you do gratitude lists? No, what kind fair, of stuff I've, do you I've work with? Sort of, I get up in the mornings. I sort of get myself set. I literally get up. I will do my supplement routine in the mornings, which is my sort of. I have a uh, Team Fitness Power Up Shake, uh, Power Up Shake, and Power Plus tablets. I've got lime and water that I make in the mornings, and then I make the cup of tea. No, you've got to love a good cup of tea. I was going to say, you're so British. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it hurts. I am very fucking British. Yeah, I, love, I, love, I love a good cup of tea, man. God save the Queen. Exactly. <laughs> and I make my tea in the morning. I sit down. say what's I've had all my supplements and that. I take five minutes before I leave just to sort of, no phone, just enjoy the morning, have a couple of sips of my tea, get in the car, drive to work. But again, because I have that same routine, it just sets my day. So I feel, after taking my supplements and everything, I feel more awake. The lime in the water is refreshing because it's, sort of, it's detox. And then, eh. No, it's interesting that you said that. I think, like, we're, we're all creatures of habit, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, we, we all, as much as we might kind of want to talk about how much we hate doing things all the time, it's like actually having that routine and having that sequence it's amazing what it does for your brain. Like just waking up and just ticking off basic stuff. Like I say to people all the time, and it's so fucking simple, but just wake up and make your bed. Like literally just wake up, make your fucking bed. You've done something for the day. Like you've already ticked a box in your brain. You've made a good start. You've done something that's positive that you're not gonna have to do later. And then it just sets you off. Yeah, exactly. And you just keep on doing that every single day. And then, like you speak, uh, like uh, speak to to Marcus and loads of other guys, and it's like, okay, well, get stuff set up, make it easier for yourself. So then you just go through it, and you're like, okay, right, let's just tick all these boxes, boom, 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 boom. And then okay. by the time you're at work, mate, you're on like cloud nine. You're feeling awesome. So when you're awake, you're you're alert because you've done things. And subconsciously, your mind's putting it as a positive uh, state. So your mind is in a positive state before you even started today. Yeah, it's wicked. It's And this is the thing, man. It's all these little things that people don't necessarily think about that it's like, okay, there are these little hacks that you can get around your brain where it's like, okay, if you feed it these tiny little positive stimuluses, you're probably going to find you're going to be in a better position than if you wake yep. up, you're in a shit mood, you throw your bed off, you don't give a damn, there's crap everywhere along the kitchen from the night before, you can't find anything, the dishwasher's dirty. It's like... Okay, just get it set up, wake up, everything's there, you're feeling great, and then it doesn't really matter what happens. There could be like a car crash on your way to work and you're just like... 
Oh, that looks bad. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Dude, especially after the Salah, I'm not giving a fuck. You'll be just like waving <laughs> to everyone. Not, hey. Not my problem. Not my problem. <laughs> Bye, guys. Hope you're okay. Call 999. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyone that's been out of routine, they realise... It's not until they realise that if they spend two weeks out of their normal routine, how much it does affect them. And recently, I've had a bit of a move around in sort of just general life and it's really hit me hard knowing that I wasn't in a routine for about three months and God, it killed me. But after the past two weeks, just being back in my routine, I'm so much more relaxed, I'm so much happier, I can just chill out. It's nice. It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? I'm, I'm in the exact same position. Um, like, I just literally recently had to move back home. My life has pretty much just completely changed overnight and it's like, man, that whole adjustment period where you're without the routine, you're without anything that you know, it's really, really easy to get lost in that, man. It's a really slippery slope. And for a lot of people, I think that they don't even realize what that can actually do for you to be like, okay, let's have something that at least we know is going to happen day in, day out that we can kind of get on with and kind of take that little stress off of the brain. Otherwise, you know, like for myself, it's like, dude, you just get lost in it and then everything becomes too overwhelming and then you don't want to do a thing. And then it's like, okay, now we're in a really fucking dark place. Yep, totally agree with you on that, mate. Yeah, 100%. So um, I'm, I'm really interested um, to, to kind of wrap things up here and, and get your, uh, your answer on a question that I like to give to everyone. So I want for yep. a second to think that you're stepping back in time, okay? You've got an opportunity to go back and speak to your younger self. So you're you're at an age where, uh, you know, maybe you're 10, 11, 12 years old, um, and you get to spend a moment with your younger self, and you get to impart one bit of wisdom, knowledge, a mantra, something to live by, to kind of help you get through all of the bullshit that you've got through in your life so far that you've experienced now today, to make their life better, easier, more valuable, what do you do? It's simple. Be patient. Things will happen. Okay? People underestimate being patient. They want everything now. We live in a world where everything is now. Amazon, next day delivery. Amazon, same day delivery. Deliveroo, Uber Eats, now, now, now. No. Chill the fuck out. Be patient. Things will come. I've worked eight years to get to where I am. People have rushed it, not got there in two years, so they've given up in the sport. When I was a bit younger, I wish I may have stuck at rugby a bit more. So maybe I would have got a little bit further. Or I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd done that because I just wasn't patient enough. Obviously, we're all young. It all happens. But biggest bit of advice I'd ever give myself was just be patient. Yeah. Sick. I love that. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thank it's you. It's been an absolute pleasure. We're 100% going to do it again because I've got 5 million other yeah. things that I want to ask you. Um, but you're <laughs> a busy, man. You've got to, got to jump off. So thank you very much for coming on board, man. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Anytime. Speak to you soon, buddy. See, thanks. Have a good one.